Hello, hello, and welcome. This is the On The Movie Front Podcast. This is episode 12. I am Robert. And I'm Mike. And I'm Chris. And today... Alright, we have to apologize. It's a little bit past the weekend. That's my fault, mainly, because I went to the Mbuzo and had a great time. We weren't able to record over the weekend, so it's Monday night, and we're going to get started. Let's do it. Okay, so what have we been watching? Well, I watched Water for Elephants this past week, and let me just go down by saying that... It's Titanic with elephants. That's exactly what the movie is. It's, uh, it's a romantic film starring Rob Pattinson, Reese Witherspoon, and Christoph Waltz. And, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of it. I'll just briefly describe the story to you. But, like I just said, it's Titanic with elephants. So kind of keep that in mind. You have your, you have your um, runaway, Rob Pattinson. He plays Jacob. He kind of joins this traveling circus uh, because he has no family. They... They, they die. They show that in like a two-second scene. <clears throat> and then in this traveling circus, Christoph Waltz is the ringleader. He's like the mastermind behind all of these acts. They kind of their, their traveling circus is kind of a rival to Ringling Brothers. And like they hate Ringling Brothers. They have more money. They're more successful. But they believe that they're better. And Reese Witherspoon plays Marlena, and she's pretty much the main feature act. And she starts out well in the film. She's uh, an equestrian. She has this act with a whole bunch of horses, but then uh, when the horse gets sick, Rob Pattinson has to put him down. What we have here is a kind of a love triangle going on, when, pr- kind of, because Marlena and August are married, but then, you know, Rob Pattinson's good looks kind of steals Marlena away from him, and then we have a, a lot of conflicts, and in the end, boy gets the girl type of thing. It's, uh, it was okay. I have a lot of complaints with the film. It wasn't as... I mean, I felt the first half dragged a lot. Um, I felt that for a PG-13 rating, they could have pushed the button a little bit. There was a very minor sex scene, which I wanted to see a lot more, you know, chemistry or passion <laughs> in the sex scene, rather than... There was no hand on the door. <laughs> no. Like, <laughs> I, want, I want some steam being wiped away. Was right. it Titanic PG-13? Yes. And that had boob that had and everything. Boob. That had one right. boob, and it was, it was good to go. Left boob. <laughs> you remember that, don't I you? I do. <laughs> you had that painting at home? <laughs> no. Maybe. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the sex scene was horrible. Rob Hansen's shirt came off, that's it, and there was a lot of close-ups. There was a lot of violence in the film, but hardly any blood, and I was a little bit disappointed about that, because there's a lot of, like, horror movies, PG-13, which is a lot of gore in it. And that is pretty much my main complaint. The I felt like, I'm not sure, I haven't read the book, so I'm not sure if this is really how the story went, but I felt like the entire storyline, the entire plot was just very safe. It's like, I've seen romantic films before, I've, I've read romantic stories, and it's just a, just a run-of-the-mill, typical standard to that type of story. And there's not, nothing that really grabbed me from it. I don't think I'm ever going to watch it again. There's no need to. You know, and, and the, the actors, uh, Reese Witherspoon and Rob Hansen, there really wasn't much chemistry between them. It's definitely, you know, Titanic and The Notebook, those classic romance movies. They had, they had uh, you know, a lot of chemistry between the actors. There was none in Water for Elephants. So I'm going to give it a C+. Uh, well, how was uh, how was Christoph Waltz in the film? He was the main uh, highlight of the film. He pretty much owned every scene that he was in. He is a great actor. It's um, he was it was interesting. I'm not sure if this was the movie's intention, but he he was the bad guy of the film. But I really didn't find myself rooting against him that much because you know every person is flawed, 
and like he had his flaws too, what anger management type of thing, you know. Um, he gets a little drunk sometimes, he gets a little bit handsy, but still, you know, everyone's like that once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I wasn't really, you know, really rooting against him, but at the same time, I understood he was the bad guy of the film, so things weren't going to go his way at the end. Now, my impression of uh, his character in this movie, now I haven't seen it, but just based off the previews, that it, it kind of was similar in some ways to. Um, and I'll, I'll explain this so don't laugh when you hear it, but it's similar to his character Hans Landa from uh, Glorious Bastards in just the way that, you know, he plays an evil guy, he's the person you're not supposed to like, um, kind of that stereotyping in a way, like obviously that character is a lot more unlikable, you know, he's a, a killer, a, a mass murderer of sorts, but... Uh, that's just kind of the impression I got about him. Would you agree with that to a point? Yeah, I would agree that to that to a point though, because he is he is kind of like yeah, in Inglorious Bastard, he was like the leader to find all these you know the Jews and hunt them down type of thing. And here he is, he's the leader. He pretty much he tells someone to just throw someone off the train and they do it. You know, he he's the mastermind behind everything. <clears throat> but I felt like he had a lot more heart in this film, and uh, and he. A lot, a lot, a really flawed individual, and you just wanted to keep Reese uh, or Marlena, you know, close with him. But he, he like felt like she was going to betray him any second. He saw the signs, and then, and then there's one really potent scene where he kind of just sees it between their eyes that you know something's going on. There's some kind of electricity between them, and he, like, he kind of like just sits them down and just like portrays. He explains a new feature that he wants to do, wants to have in this circus, and he's like, you know. He's like, you know, dance with each other, like touch her on like the shoulder, and like they like, look each other in the eyes and stuff like that. And they were just, they, they knew that they've been caught, and just what happens after that is really explosive. But yes, Christopher Waltz was the highlight of the film, along with Rosie the elephant. The elephant was awesome, by the way. It's <laughs> like it was almost like a, a pet movie because you know you just fell in love with this huge elephant. But you know it, she was adorable and she was very well trained. And it was it was kind of hilarious because like they couldn't train this elephant. Uh, I mean, in the movie they were like, you know, this elephant elephants are stupid. We can't train her. And then all of a sudden, Jacob just, just starts speaking Polish, and that's how the elephant, you know, elephant kind of understood Polish. It was just so so funny in that sense. <clears throat> the um, um the 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 one thing that you know I, I got from the previews and 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 hearing your view kind of makes me think about this is like I kind of thought you know that the previews made it about the two things, about that storyline between the three people and about the circus. It's about, you know, it's really about the circus. Um, and I feel like, you know, sometimes maybe that's where this movie went wrong with, with you know, having both of those kind of, you know, uh, battling each other in a little bit of way. If it was more just about the circus and just about the animals and just about the wonder of it, maybe it would have been a better film. Right, <laughs> I, I agree, because... Yes, the uh, the circus storyline was very interesting. You know, the traveling circus, and you know, they're pretty much poor, and they're just trying to get by every single performance, and you know, kind of like the mistreatment of animals. And you know, all, you hear all that stuff with the Ringling Brothers mistreating their animals, and you know, the animal uh, rights and everything. So that was interesting. But yes, uh, the the balance between those two main storylines just didn't blend together very well. And you know, just from the preview and just knowing what kind of story this was, I'm, I expected a lot of romance, and it was a lot of romance. So maybe if they spent more time on the politics or the storyline with the uh, traveling circus, it could have been a little bit more meaningful or had a lot more depth to it. But aside from that, it just seemed like a a standard romance film. I, I wonder if they cut the circus parts out from the book more so than the romance parts. If it was fifty-fifty, say in the book, I have a feeling that. 
studio would have went towards the romance side. What was the crowd like when you went? Was it mostly? When did you go? I don't know when. Uh, I don't remember when I went. It was last well, like week. During the day, night. It was at night. <laughs> yeah, there were like couples. It was a couple uh, of them type of thing. And I mean, a lot of chicks read the book, and a lot of chicks loved the book. Yeah, that's so what I was wondering. If and it was a lot of chicks like Robert Pattinson. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Where does the water come into play? Good question. <laughs> See now. I didn't know this guy. I didn't read the book, <laughs> but someone explained it to me who read the book. They never explained it in the movie. It's like Water for Elephants. Where does that title come from? But apparently in the book, uh, Jacob's character, because um, it's kind of just like Titanic. The whole movie is kind of told in like a flashback, like the okay. old lady telling, you know, that the crew hit her story. This is Jacob telling someone, you know, his, his story about when he was on the traveling circus. So apparently in the book there was an altercation between Jacob when he's old. And some young kid who's like, who, who, who like the girls are just like groveling over because he's he claims that he's from a circus and he's like the water boy for the elephants and stuff like that. But apparently Jacob complains like you know you know there is no water boy for the elephants you know water for elephants. And in the same, in the meantime, it's kind of like the theme of you know water being like a necessity or a, a purity, uh, you know, substance to just living things. So I mean, Rosie made it play, played a big part. I don't want really want to spoil what happens at the end, but you know Rosie did play a big part at the end. I kind of probably just gave it away by saying that. You can <laughs> assume what happens, but yeah, my eyes just went wide. <laughs> Spoiled. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. I'm so clueless. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, the one other thing that I kind of had a little complaint about was I'm not sure if this is the case in the book. I don't think it is, but there is a major age difference between, between all three main actors. Christoph Waltz, I think it's like 54 years old. Reese might be mid-30s. And Rob, I think is like 24 years old or something yeah. like that. <laughs> it's kind of like a really big, big... I think in the book, they're all kind of the same age. So. Could you tell that in the movie? Or do you just... Because you know that. Um, I, I mean, Christoph Waltz looks pretty old. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like he's in 50. Yeah, and Robert Pattinson definitely looks young in the Right. Film. And Reese, they, they tried to really like young her up, you know. But... I, I, maybe it's, it's, it is because I know she's in her 30s, so... I, I always maintain... Now, I mean, this isn't going to affect me as much because I didn't read the book, but when they put high-profile actors into movies based on books, it bothers me. And I, I think I've said this to you guys before, but when I read a book, I create a person in my head, and I have that image, and that's the character. And then if I go to the movie and it's an actor I've never seen before, I'm like, oh, cool, that's who it is. That's the person. That's who I relate to. But when it's... Like, you guys talked about Lovely Bones last uh, episode or a couple episodes ago, and you talked about Mark Wahlberg being it. That turned me off so much because it's, no, that's Mark Wahlberg. That's that's Vince Papali. That's, you know, Boogie Nights. That's not, that's not that father in Lovely Bones. And I just, like, like now you're, you point this out, that it bothered you that their ages roll off and you know who they are. And I think that takes away from it. And I think that's a big thing with, I mean, Harry Potter does have some big characters in it, but the main pe people in those books grew up as the characters, and those, you see them. Maybe it ruined their careers for the future, but it works for these movies. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point, and that is definitely one of the topics we're going to discuss in a future episode, you know, kind of like movie adaptations from books and what it does with the actors and how that works out. So we'll continue that conversation much later down the line, <laughs> but I'm done with my review, and Mike, you can go with yours now. All right, so uh, I saw the... Uh, <laughs> The fifth edition of the Fast and the Furious, called Fast Five, a wonderful, uh, uh, eloquent title, <laughs> really. And uh, so, you know, this movie stars all the the normal people. It's, uh, you know, you have uh, the newest people to the movie are uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, also, uh, Ludacris is in the film. Tyrese is in the film, uh, as well as um, the. Uh, 
the main. Which one? Brian? Who plays Brian the cop? Vin uh, Diesel? Vin, Vin Diesel. Walker? I don't know why oh, I was. Okay. Yeah, Paul Walker's also in the film. I was blanking on Vin Diesel's <laughs> name for some reason. I wanted to call him the character's name Dominic, and I, and I knew that was wrong. So uh, you you have the the cast is is back you know from uh, from the previous movies, and uh, so this movie is uh, basically storyline <laughs> pretty simple. Um, they get back together to uh, to steal a uh, a giant vault worth a hundred million dollars uh, in order to uh, to kind of get back at this uh, gentleman who owns uh, the Rio area um, because he's corrupt and. Has a, a stranglehold on uh, on the on the area that he lives in. So that's pretty much it. That is that is the plot: to steal <laughs> this money. So the movie just you know starts out with the Dominic and and uh, uh, Paul Walker's character and Vin Diesel like reuniting and the decision to to, to steal this money and how they're going to go about it and, and getting a crew together. And so that's when all the other people come in, like Ludacris and Tyrese and all them. Uh, there's a crew about ten other other people. Mechanics and you know good thieves and stuff like that and lockpick locksmiths. So uh, it, it's a good portion, a good like 45 minutes of the movie is just the assembling of the characters, and then uh, the rest of the movie is just them trying to uh, kind of evade um, the Rock's character who plays like a, a, a one of the lead cops and trying to hunt these guys down. And uh, so they're evading them and they're also planning the uh, the heist. So this movie is basically um, Ocean's Eleven meets The Fast and the Furious. That's really what it is because it's a heist movie, yet it's a car chase movie. And there's there's all these awesome scenes where there's, you know, in the first ten minutes of the movie, they which The Fast and the Furious is kind of famous for doing, they get an awesome car chase uh, scene. And so the first ten minutes of this movie, you see, you know, Vin Diesel and and Paul Walker stealing these awesome cars off of a train, and it's very fast-paced, and and it's a really cool scene, and they end up falling off the cliff, which is part of the thing you've seen in the preview, so I'm not really giving anything away. So you see them on this awesome car plummeting some, what seems like 600 feet (laughs) into the water. I'm sure it's a lot less, but on camera it looks like they're diving off the the Hoover Dam (laughs) into uh, water. So uh, it's really cool. It's, it keeps the movie keeps a, a really fast pace. Um, you know, you really don't have to think much because there's no plot involved, and there's a lot of great action scenes and a lot of damage and destruction. And pretty much, it's like every other Fast and the Furious movie. I did feel like this one was better than most of the other ones um, because it does have it did have that Ocean's Eleven kind of feel, like they're trying to pull something off. And um, you know, there were a couple twists and turns. I don't want to give too much away. Uh, this movie really can't be spoiled except for one thing, so I won't say that one thing. But, uh, you know, you can expect that, that it ends with them getting away with, with the money. Uh, and I'm really not ruining anything. You know that going into the film. <laughs> um, it was entertaining. It was fast-paced. Uh, I thought The Rock was awesome in it. Uh, Vin Diesel gained a lot of weight, which was pretty clear that he wasn't as buff as he used to be. Uh, but he still did a good job, and Paul Walker is Paul Walker. He kind of just <laughs> walks through the movie. <laughs> um, I think that pun was intended. Yeah. <laughs> so overall, I, I'd uh, I'd rate this movie uh, a C plus. Um, you know, I, I thought it was very enjoyable. Something you could definitely bring the whole family to. There's not a lot of cursing. There's just a ton of action uh, sequences. You know, I had a few um, problems with the film. Everything happens too easily. I mean, I guess that's kind of to be expected. You know, they get all these 
every supply they need without pretty much any problem. They they try to steal this giant safe in the movie, and they get a exact replica of it when this is like a one-of-a-kind safe, <laughs> which was very disturbing that you heard nothing about them raising the funds to get this enormous safe, and it's all of a sudden there the next day. Um, how did it get shipped there? Who brought it? How did the other people not notice that they bought the same safe that the safe they're trying they have is? You know, there's just so many plot holes, it's ridiculous. Um, and also, a lot of the scenes, which is some, my biggest pet peeve with movies nowadays, action movies specifically, when you have like a fight scene or even car chase scene, sometimes there's a lot of fast edits. And um, this is kind of hard to describe over a podcast, but basically it's just like you blinking a lot and seeing every time you open you, uh, your eyes, you see a different thing. It happens so fast that sometimes you can't process the information. There's this giant fight scene with Vin Diesel on The Rock where they're, they're physically fighting each other. Now, they're both bald men. They were both wearing dark shirts. So it was almost impossible because every time someone swings, you would see it cut to, to somebody falling back, and then it cuts to them rolling around, and then it cuts to you know someone picking up a wrench, and you have no idea who's winning the fight until it's over. And that's just that's my biggest pet peeve about action films. I don't understand why they don't just take ten more steps back, get a wider shot, see who's fighting. You know, you can still make it extremely fast-paced. That was, um, you know, one of the, the better things I liked about the Bourne series. That action was extremely fast-paced, but it was a little further back. You could kind of see what was happening. So, that was, you know, that was they did that throughout the movie with all the car scenes, with all the fight scenes, and uh, it was very annoying. But, but like I said, I'd give the movie a C+. Who won the fight? Uh, Vin Diesel won the fight, which was also extremely unrealistic, because <laughs> The Rock was like a, a good foot taller <laughs> and extre- like so much more muscular. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Fine. Yeah, and in that movie he looks unbelievable. He probably gained like a, a hundred pounds. I was gonna ask muscle when, when you, were, you were going through how he was because I feel like this is like his first action movie back now yeah. after his Disney run. It, it was he was unbelievable. Yeah. He was almost unrecognizable because he had put on so much weight. Mm. When we've seen him in these Disney movies, he's like I don't know maybe two hundred pounds when he was normally like. 250, but I, I know those numbers don't really mean a lot. Know, but it's like when you when you see people who bodybuild, like that 50 pounds is extreme is is a lot of mass on someone mm-hmm. because it's not fat; it's all 50 pounds of muscle. So with him, he was just extremely built. Um, there was a lot of product placement in the film, so he's constantly wearing Under Armour <laughs> <laughs> uh, t-shirts. So and they made a point to show that every single time, which I thought was interesting. So he definitely was was unrecognizable as himself, and it was an awesome action role to come back to. Hmm. Is there um, going to be a Fast Six? I I did not stay after the movie to see the end uh, credits. Did you hear though? What but I, I heard what had happened, and apparently, well, I don't want to give it away, but it looks like there will be another it's, Fast yeah, movie. It sets it up. Yeah, yeah it sets uh, up. Apparently, it sets six. it up. Hmm. It, it's uh, it, it sheds some light on the fourth movie. Fast and Furious. <laughs> have you seen all? I have five? seen. I have seen all five. Is this? Because I mean, I don't. I don't know if I've seen past the first one. <laughs> but the, those were all about racing. Yeah. The first. Is this the first one that's not focused on racing, but they still keep the racing in it? I guess the, yeah. the getaways and stuff. Well, uh, yeah. The first two movies are definitely just straight up about racing. The third one, which is Tokyo Drift, kind of takes. <laughs> Uh, it drifts away <laughs> from the rest of the series. 
and be <laughs> it, be, it is a different aspect of racing called drifting. Right, you know? right. Well, so it's still it's still about racing, but it's it's about doing it differently. You right. know, like they could lose a race because they didn't drift enough, uh, uh, and they didn't lose it because they didn't come in first. But it, their style points. There's right. A, it's a different technique, a different style of racing in the third one. Well, you saw all the films. I haven't. Where does Tokyo Drift fall into the storyline, like the chronological story? Like the timeline, does it? Is Tokyo it Drift it? is not is related like, at all. It's not related at it's all. all different people, it has right? nothing to do with it. He's, uh, yeah, it, it's completely different. Um, Vin Diesel makes a, an appearance in the end of the film, uh, but it, so it, no it's, one from that movie not, is in. Well, the past besides two? Vin Diesel, besides Vin Diesel, and that's only his. He only makes a cameo. The movie is is nothing to do with that. And then the fourth movie is about Vin Diesel's sister. Um, who we see in Michelle Rodriguez, who we see in the first film, but she doesn't come back uh, until this film, until the fourth film. Sorry, and she's not in the fifth film. So if you were to rank them from your favorite, which was which would be your favorite? Well, I mean, no, the first one is my favorite. Then the third one would be my second favorite, and then this one would be my <laughs> third favorite. I <laughs> oh, see, so like the odd numbers. Yeah, one, three, then five. So this next one, you're not going to be too excited. But the, <laughs> seventh, the seventh one, you're going to like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, this one had, you know, more style than the rest of them, because it was o Ocean's Eleven type thing. And those movies are, to me, are really entertaining. It's it's about the heist. It's like, will yeah. they pull it off? How are they pulling it off? You know, it, it, it is a giant rip-off, because it's just mm. taking that and putting it together with the racing. When you when you first started talking about it, and you said that the main plot was them stealing something, I immediately thought, well, wow, they're the bad guys in this one, kind yeah. of? You know, and wasn't Paul Walker the... Uh, it's a cop turned into a crook. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But then you then you said the, the Ocean's Eleven thing, and then I'm thinking, okay, they're the, technically the bad guys in that one too, but they're so enjoyable, right? That you get behind them and you want them to pull off something right. that's bad. And I guess they go the same route here. Yeah. They make them. Uh, Paul Walker's Paul Walker's character makes no sense in this <laughs> film. Um, basically, because they end up having to pull off their heist from a police station, and he could care less <laughs> about any of this that's going down. He's stealing cars. He yeah. did. He's, he's just doing anything. He's just completely gone rogue. I guess. Yeah, his whole that moral dilemma is gone from yeah, his character. Yeah, it's not even there. <laughs> his character is so vacant in this film. Mm -hmm. It really is. Um, I, yeah, I don't even remember what he did in the movie. So <laughs> that's how bad it was. This film is obviously for guys. It's an action movie. There's a lot of cars. Is there anything about the film that kind of appeals to girls? Because I'm kind of like Paul Walker's wife in the movie is pregnant. I guess that would. <laughs> <laughs> appeal to girls. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, it's, it's that's a literally like that's, straight up action. That, that's the most female thing about the movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we are done with that, right? Yes. <laughs> we got two C pluses for you for this week, and maybe the movies will do better next week. So we'll see. So we're gonna take a short break. We'll be back with our main topic. We're gonna talk about superhero and comic book movies. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned. about superhero movies, comic book movies, you know, whatever. You guys know how they roll. We're doing this because Door is coming out this weekend. It's pretty much the first film of May, which kind of like inadvertently 
cast the Holly. I mean, uh, the the blockbuster season, the summer blockbuster mm. season. So, let's just talk about the genre real quick. Superhero movies, comic book movies, they've kind of been a staple to summer blockbusters for many years now. I'm not sure. There's been a lot. There were a lot of uh, comic book films back in the day, but it seems like recently, especially you know since the Spider-Man erupted, yeah. it really just lifted off. And now, you, now you see every single superhero turning into a movie now. And of course, you have the you know the Avengers movies coming up. So all the Marvel, all of the DC comics are just turning into movies. Now, as as a whole, do you do you really like these type of movies, Mike, or are you kind of you kind of shy away from these? I did when they first started happening. I I really like these movies. You know, I thought it was awesome. I feel like we've just been so saturated with them now that I've kind of it's lost its luster to me. Hmm. Yeah, I think I do. I at first I was a little turned off by it. I didn't was never a big fan of the comic books and especially uh, the ones that were really fantastical. I never really grabbed me, but when they started to do the more realistic storylines to them, the Batman ones, the Iron Man ones, that's when I started to get drawn back into those kinds of storylines, because it was almost like an action movie with some kind of comic book background, and that's when I started to really get into them. Right, now, I, I've never been a big uh, comic book you know, kid at all. Did you guys read comics when you were younger? At all? I did. I, I read the uh, the X-Men. You read the X-Men? Mm-hmm. I did not really read comics. Right. The comic type thing was like wrestling. Oh, okay. that far, but yeah. You know. Oh, I was into that, and it, I mean, they had they had uh, cartoons yeah. a lot on TV. Right. I never watched any of the cartoons either. Really? Yeah. So when these X Men movies came out, and like my friends are telling me what's going to happen, I'm like, how do you how do you know this? Like, didn't you watch the cartoon? Did you read the comics? I never read one comic book in my life. So, okay, wait, graphic novel. I read The Watchmen, <laughs> but that was literally three years ago. So I, I never read anything growing up. So there's something wrong with me, obviously. But I can kind of appreciate the movies more. I like the Spider-Mans, I like the uh, the Batmans, but then it seemed like this this trend started where, you know, since they made so much money, they just had sequel after sequel after sequel, and then I kind of got a little fed up like you guys did, you know, at, at first it was fun, now I'm a little bit fed up, and they're just really hitting on every single superhero, the ones that I'm not even interested or haven't even heard of ever, mm-hmm. they're making those into movies, so... I don't know. Are they overdoing it, Mike? Yeah, I definitely think they are. I mean, they they've tried to make almost every popular uh, comic book into uh, into a storyline, and even some of the non-popular comic books they've tried to make into films. And uh, you know, it's, these movies aren't bad by by and large, but they're just it's just you know they're just run of the mill now. It's like commonplace, and I I just feel like it's so in- uninteresting to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Like Chris said, the ones with the the real life storylines definitely grab me personally a lot more than just these, you know, Fantastic Four type of group. Yeah, that was kind of ridiculous. That and, was horrible. And I think back to like the original. I mean, there was definitely fantastical points to it, but the original Spider-Man where he's becoming it kept felt a lot more real. And then the second one had the guy with all the arms, and the third one's got the guy turning into sand. And they tried to make a real explanation for it, but that was just like off the walls. Yeah. Alright, so we're going to go ahead and talk about some of our childhood favorites of uh, movies that were based on you know, a superhero or comic book. I will go first. My favorite book, I mean not book, my favorite movie <laughs> as a child was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. I think it was called The Secret of the Ooze. Yes. So you guys yes. both remember this movie, right? Oh, of, course. of course. It was easily the best of the TN, TMNT <laughs> movie series, and that had the... Um, the Pizza Boy and the, the Ooze and the Super Shredder Super and the, Shredder. The, the, the two animals, I forgot their names, and 
Vanilla Ice was in it, so it was yes. obviously a classic when he was doing the, <laughs> the Ninja Rock, I think the Ninja yeah. song was yeah. called. I might have to find that song Ninja, and put it into this podcast. I, I had the cassette tape. Oh. <laughs> Turtles on Ash. <laughs> <laughs> Something about that movie was just so, it was just fun, and as a kid, it was really cool to see these, your favorite, you know, pizza-eating ninjas, uh, turtles, just, just having fun and kicking some, uh, what are those foot soldiers and stuff? Yep. Like yeah, that. man, I, I'm thinking about all these like little figurines that I had when I was younger too. We used to just rumbling against each other. Yep. But yeah, that was my childhood favorite film. I I haven't watched it in a long time. I'm wa- I'm wondering if I would enjoy it now or not. Probably not. Probably not. I bet you oh, you would. You would enjoy you know, it. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, maybe. exactly. And you'd be like, oh, I remember that and all. Yeah, this part. But I think if you actually if you were watching it for the first time or something oh, like that, yeah. this would be awful. <laughs> but man, when. When they're when they're trying to get that bottle of ooze and the shredder gets it and he turns into super shredder and he knocks the bridge around. It's such a great Kevin, movie. Kevin Nash. Or oh yeah, that's right. Oh, what man. was your favorite turtle? Oh, my favorite turtle, surprisingly, was Donatello. Really? Yes. Because I feel like everyone's favorite was Leonardo or Michelangelo. Yeah, that's what I feel like. Michelangelo was like you know the the party dude, the, the, the yeah. laid back one. Raphael, he's just an asshole. That's so why I like him. He was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Leo was the leader, so a lot of people liked them. So I, I kind of like just went with Donatello. I'm like, oh, he's the smart one. Yeah. I, I like him, you know. And I, and whenever I played the video games, I felt like he had the best special moves with that long staff of his. <laughs> yes, you know, he, yeah. was, he had the longest reach. He could kill everyone. So yeah. yes. What about you? What were your favorite turtles? I, I actually was a big fan of Raphael. Man, I just like <laughs> you too. two Raphael, <laughs> two jerks right here. <laughs> God. And he had the weapons. Nobody knew what they were called. Yeah, <laughs> in the forks. <laughs> yeah, That's why I liked Dumbest it. I liked. I liked it. Ever. It was like a great weapon. It seemed it was like. Not a <laughs> oh no! I guess you can kill someone with a sword too. But <laughs> he was the only one that had like a deadly weapon. What did Michelangelo have? Nunchucks. Yeah, okay, you can like thumb through someone with those. I never. I. I don't know why. Like I, Michelangelo, I loved because I loved pizza and he loved pizza and we we're both named Michael. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but but it was something about Raphael. Like weapons that would he just drew me to him, and I was like, I had a set of my own, several sets of my own, probably over the years, <laughs> and I just, uh, you know, it was awesome. You had no range with those weapons, though. Like, you didn't matter. <laughs> you didn't need range. You could chuck those things if you wanted. <laughs> but you don't get them back. <laughs> you could. You could go get them back. No, right. Yeah, I think Michael Lanzo. Foot Soldier's body, you could pull it out. <laughs> Michael Lanzo definitely had the weakest weapon. Nunchucks, come on. Yeah. Plus, he was lazy. Michelangelo was a very lazy ninja <laughs> well, yeah, He turtle. ate too much pizza. And he never <laughs> wanted to do anything. <laughs> Leo was a little pushy as the leader. But Ralph, I think Ralph was not lazy, but he was just a rebel. He just didn't want to mm-hmm. do what the other turtles did. Yeah. So he kind of annoyed me in that sense. I'm actually surprised. How many did they end up making? Three? Well, they had three. Three, and then they just had a new one, which I think was the, animated. Yeah, right? it was all cartoon, right? I was so going to say, like, I wonder three why. Three with those set I'm of actors. I'm surprised they haven't. Revisited that in all these years and try to hit that. I'm age, surprised you know? too, right? But I get, but they did do that cartoon, but that's not the same. That's not no, the same. It's not, they it's gotta not. come back with the live action guys. I I but, they, but you know what? The voices aren't gonna be the same. And yeah, yeah that, that was just that was so good, and I really feel like that movie does hold up over time. Honestly, <laughs> I, maybe, I maybe it to you. <laughs> I thought that movie. I kind of don't want to watch it because I don't want it to get ruined. You know, type of thing. All right, moving on. Go ahead, you guys tell your childhood faves. Uh, all right, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> um, I actually had a tough time trying to think of a childhood fave. We were looking through a list, and I didn't realize this was a comic. Apparently, it was. But uh, I'm gonna go with Men in Black, and I just think that was, you know, that was just a, such a, such an out there movie. And I guess if it's based on a comic, the comic was out there, and it just it hit Will Smith right at the right time in his prime, and it fucking it shot him off, and 
and uh, the casting of of uh, Tommy Lee Jones as the deadpan partner was great, and they had these little cameos here and there of actors you recognize, and then the aliens, and it was just, it was such a fun movie for any age, really. It holds up today. You watch it anytime it's on TV, and it's just, it's just a great movie. It's, and, you know, even, I, you know, the second one wasn't as good, but it still was there, and, you know, it, it, it was a great, it was a great series, and I, I really, thinking back, childhood, that was, that was right there for me. What do you think about the fact that they're making another Men in Black? I did not know that. Are now they? I am excited. <laughs> <laughs> they are making another Men in Black, yeah. It's Is it with everything, same people? Yep, yeah, it's Will Smith and uh, Tommy Lee Jones That's will be in the movie. Uh, someone else who will be in the movie will be, um, oh, I'm blanking on the uh, the main actor from No Country for Old Men. Javier? Tommy uh, Lee Jones? No, the <laughs> other one. <laughs> Josh Brolin? Josh Brolin. Uh, <laughs> yes, he, he will... Uh, I don't know why it's a Tommy Lee Jones. I really <laughs> yeah, it was Tommy Lee Jones and Josh Brolin recon- reconnecting in this film, Men in Black Three. <laughs> nice. It's gonna be sweet. <laughs> All right, that is gonna be sweet. I feel yeah, I feel like the Men in Black they definitely hold up longer and better than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle <laughs> does. Because um, those movies are what PG PG thirteen. Do you know what they are? What the Turtles movies? No, no, no the Men in Black Men movies. In Black movies. I would definitely say PG. Really? I My guess they might have been PG-13. Oh, Will, were Will Smith was a little edgy. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking it up. Will Smith didn't have a curse word in any of his raps, so I doubt he would have That's a curse true. word in the movie. I mean, his his and the violence in it was kind of goofy violence. Yeah, you know, it was aliens, gooey stuff, snot flying everywhere. Yeah, does this not you know, tell there was you? There's no blood or anything. I can't figure it out right now. Wikipedia has failed me, <laughs> or I have failed Wikipedia apparently. You have to just IMDB it to figure it out. Oh, that's too difficult. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's uh, those those movies are great. Uh, I love it. I only saw the second one in the theaters, though. I did not see the first one in the theaters. And yeah, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. The the, the team of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. I remember seeing that in the summer when it came out, and uh, it was just absolutely hysterical. I'll never forget when he's just dragging his chair up Will Smith. Is. Yeah, it was just uh, it was hilarious. And um, that was class. That's really cool. PG thirteen, Men in Black. Wow. wow. <laughs> so there you go. I finally went on IMDb. I guess goofy violence is still violence. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, they did. Uh, I don't know if it was the first one where they did blow off um, somebody's head in the movie. Yeah. The guy, the oh, alien. well. Uh, the guy from Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. <laughs> yeah. Monk. Yeah. Monk. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, my favorite uh, childhood. Um, Superhero slash comic book film is uh, Blade. Um, the reason I, I tend to be into uh, darker types of, of films and uh, Blade. Like was that, do you mean Wesley Snipes? <laughs> no, that is not what I meant by that. Um, although Wesley Snipes is in the movie and does a fantastic job playing the character, um, you know this was this was growing up. This was my first experience into vampires. Uh, I had no really understanding of it b- before seeing this movie, what they were. So I learned about it through watching Blade a couple times over and over again, and that was how I, you know, acquired my vampire folklore knowledge. And so it was pretty cool to have this person who was half vampire, half human, but on the side of the humans trying to protect them and fighting the vampire elite. Um, it seemed like such a fantastical thing and, and was really cool back then. And Back then, it was one of a kind. Now, it's every other movie is about vampires, and it <laughs> has no effect. Um, but yeah, and, and and the biggest thing about that movie too was it was one of the biggest um, CGI films back in the day. 
that you know combined live action and CGI. Not a lot of films were doing that. I think it might it might have even been the first, but it definitely was one of the first to make it popular and and make it kind of a run of the mill thing nowadays. Uh, so yeah, that movie was was great. I really really liked it. Um, sadly, the you know the uh, it the other movies didn't really follow as much, and Blade Trinity was horrific. <laughs> <laughs> when did when did the original one come out? If I could guess, I would say ninety seven. Um, I believe that's when it came out. Ninety eight. Ninety eight. I was close. So I was thirteen when it came. out. I have not seen the Blade films. Have you? Any? I don't think I've seen only Blade Trinity. I want to say I, think I, I might have only seen the second one. Blowing my mind in right theaters. now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what made you go see Blade Trinity? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost positive I remember seeing watching that. I though. can't believe you guys haven't seen Blade. It's a really good movie. I'll have watch, to watch it, it right now <laughs> after this podcast. <laughs> okay, well, anything else about Blade? Well, I thought you guys were talking about it more, but you haven't seen <laughs> oh, it. Yeah, we so. haven't seen it. <laughs> well, who, who else besides? Is there anyone else besides Wesley Snipes in those uh, movies? That's the first person really. I think of, obviously. I mean, there was a main girl in the movie. I don't remember who it was, actress wise. Mm. Oh man, Chris Christopherson is in this movie. Whoever that is. <laughs> <laughs> that name sounds familiar. That's a great name. <laughs> I'm going to click Chris. He's Christopherson. Oh, he plays oh, uh, Whistler is. in the movie. Look who it is. That's right. He's uh, Blade's mentor and, and trusted friend. Flashpoint. He's good in the movie. I just like the name, Chris He hasn't really been in anything else, really. <laughs> What are you going down for? Well, because I was trying to get into, like, our time. <laughs> We're just trying to uh, see what else Chris Christopherson has been in. Um, he was also in Jackie Brown, which was a um, Quentin Tarantino film. The Planet of the Apes remake. Planet of the Apes remake. The Jack in and Fast Food Nation. Interesting. So nothing that I've seen. Yeah. But I do like the name, and that's why I mentioned it. <laughs> But I will watch Blade. How about that? I will watch yeah, that yeah. movie. Nice. And we will talk about it extensively, not on podcast, <laughs> but in our own time. Okay. Deal. Moving on. So we're going to move on to uh, personal favorites now. So, uh, Rob, what's your personal favorite? Oh, I get to go first. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Well, I'm obviously going to pick The Dark Knight because that is just the, the typical choice. It's a great choice. And it's... Yeah, agreed. <laughs> it's, it's a great movie. Undoubt. There's no doubt. And it's my favorite of the Batman uh, films so far, though the third one is yet to come out. Sheen would argue because he likes Batman Begins more than Dark Knight. I would Me argue. and Chris would say he's crazy, <laughs> but that's for another discussion, I think. And it's just that, like Chris said, it, the, that the whole Batman franchise and just the, his storyline, it, it hits home a lot more than these actual superheroes that have these powers that... Alright, you know, you can you can move this building, you know, you have a web coming from your arm, whatever. This, this you know, Batman was just, you know, a, a, a guy that tried to save Gotham with his fancy cars and his fancy tools, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. But Christopher Nolan's um, reboot of the franchise really made it darker and... and but but at the same time, he, he added a t intelligence with entertainment and action and all these these themes and these uh, the depths of meaning. So these movies were just great. I can't wait for the third one. I hope he just finishes it there because I don't want a fourth or fifth Batman movie. Mm -hmm. And they should be there should be no more Batmans after Christopher Nolan. But you know that's gonna happen. Right. But <laughs> yeah, Dark Knight, awesome movie. Check it out if you haven't seen it. 
I don't know how you couldn't have seen it yet. I've seen it probably <laughs> ten times at least by now. Yeah, I've seen it uh, uh, probably twelve. To, wow. to two up you. Oh, man. <laughs> That's how we do it around here. We're two up. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, guys. Uh, Chris. Yep. Um, okay, so I think if I I would have piggybacked Rob and gone with the Dark Knight, but I'm going to go in another direction, and I'm going to take the original Spider-Man, as I also mentioned earlier, um, because it, it also kept with that realism aspect to it, and I loved how in that movie we got to grow, almost grow up with Spider-Man, essentially. Peter Parker was there, and then he gets the bite in the beginning. We get to learn and see how he evolves into what he becomes known as later on. Almost by the end of it, he's not really fully Spider-Man until the end of the movie in this one, and I feel like this is more the story of how he becomes it. This could almost be Spider-Man Begins, <laughs> you know, in a way. Um, and that just, that just drew me in so much to see him etching out his crappy costume at first and going to that wrestling event as cheesy as that was that he was fighting Macho Man it was still an awesome thing to see and, and, awesome. and watch him you know discover his power and his abilities and then tying that whole uncle dying aspect into it gave it that heartfelt moment more so than just rescuing I mean I don't know I, I could be on my own on this one but I could have done without Kirsten Dunst's character throughout these movies I, it just kind of felt like it brought it down for me I mean I liked him avenging his uncle, seeing what happened, getting to that, and she was just kind of a wet blanket on the whole thing. But um, they needed someone hotter for that role. That too. <laughs> I would have enjoyed that. No, but see, I liked. I thought. I, I feel like she was more the girl next door, and I liked that about her. You know, she seemed more attainable. A hotter girl next door. And like, plus, like who? I wanted Alicia Cuthbert to play <laughs> that role. <laughs> Anything would go better with that. She was like three at the time. <laughs> she was she was really young back then. <laughs> wait, wait. Did you say Alicia Cuthbert was three? I when said like three. <laughs> Just trying to right. illustrate the point that she was young. Well, I mean, she's our age, so it probably would have worked. And plus, Tobey Maguire was thirty when he played Spider-Man. In the really, movie. he's that old. Pretty, he's pretty old. Wow. But yeah, that's I like I like the first one. After that, when I kind of fell off a little bit, I have seen two and three, and I know they did really well, but it wasn't the same for me. That that those two movies were typical good guy bad guy kind of kind of thing. This was more of the learning how he became. And I just I love that about this movie. Right, there's not too many uh, comic book or superhero films or just stories in general that take place in high school. Right. So that was like this. Here here's this high school student. Hey, guess what? You have superhero powers now. What are you gonna do? You know, most of the superheroes are adults. And they, 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 they travel in packs and stuff like mm-hmm. that. This was like him dealing with the, his, you know, just the whole high school experience is painful enough. But just that you you ostracize yourself from everyone else because you're a superhero now. And you have to fight crime while doing all this stuff. It, it, it's a balancing act that was kind of kind of the whole point of Spider-Man, essentially. And I, I was never really a big Spider-Man fan. I thought the, 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 the movies were a little bit too colorful and a little bit too bubbly. And mm-hmm. I, I like the darker, you know, Batmans, and even the uh, the first two X-Men's I enjoyed. But, you know, they, they were good popcorn, fun movies, entertainment, and I do approve of your choice, Chris. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I approve as well. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> um, but uh, my personal favorite, keeping with, you know, my theme of, of kind of darker movies, is uh, Sin City. Now, I have to point out that this is my favorite movie of all time, um... Uh, so I am very biased, but 
this movie is um, it's just an incredible movie. It has such an amazing cast of, of people. Bruce Willis, Benicio Del Toro, Clive Owens, Mickey Rourke, Jessica Alba. Uh, just and, and, and tons more people that play. Michael Madsen, I know, is uh, has a role in the film. There's so many other people that are, are just have cameos throughout the throughout the film. Uh, and for me, this movie works on so many so many different levels. But it was the first comic book movie to me that actually felt like I was a comic book come to life. I felt like those other movies like Spider-Man and, and even uh, Batman to a uh, degree, and, and I liked that those movies went in this direction, but they were trying to bring it more into realism, make it more about an actual storyline and believable, and I liked that about those things. But for me, this movie was like, I was I felt like the comic book was coming to life, and I, and I thought that that was cool. I loved the way it was shot. This movie was like the first movie to be shot on something over like 80% green screen or something like that. Uh, I don't know the actual percentages, but I know it was um, it was done just basically these actors in green screen throughout the whole process. And uh, a lot of the times the actors never sat in the same room as each other. And, um, you know, it's just really cool how it was pieced together. And parts of it were shot years apart. You know, they had a first the first three sections of it done for two years and then they finished it this is uh, if you haven't seen it it's basically um five vignettes um the the first and, and ending vignette are the same storyline with the same actor um but the the middle three stories are the bulk of the film uh mickey rourke's character le leads off the uh back, i'm sorry bruce willis's <coughs> character leads off the film then Mickey Rourke's character take over, and then Clive Owens uh, finishes, and then they go back to Bruce Willis briefly, as well, um, just to kind of wrap up his storyline. And they all tie together, right? They all—they all, they all tie, they're all related. It all takes place in the same town. They all have met each other right. or been in the same bar. I, I feel like the bar is actually the point where all the characters meet throughout the throughout the film, which is where Jessica Alba dances, and you know Bruce Willis goes to see her there, and Mickey Rourke's drinks there every night, and Clive Owen. Uh, goes in there a couple times. Um, this movie also like relaunched Mickey Rourke's career, uh, and it was directed by Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller, who designed, who uh, created the comic book or the uh, the graphic vignettes, as it, he actually referred to them. Um, and it was just an awesome, awesome movie. I, there's, I could talk about this movie for hours. <laughs> it, it, like I said, it just worked on so many levels. It was, it was a cool comic book movie. The acting was fantastic. You know, uh, the storyline is, is amazing. And um, it also has a lot of really cool visuals in it uh, because of the, the green screen and the way they use color throughout the film. Uh, it's, really, it's really cool. You're going to still hate me. I've, I've told you this a million times. I have yet to see Sin City. <laughs> but I promise you I will watch this movie soon. I've only seen it once. I do remember enjoying it, but it's only just once. I, I would like to see it again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, re I really recommend it to people out there who haven't seen it. Um, you know, this is a movie that I feel like when it came out, it wasn't that popular in theaters, but something that grew to have a huge cult classic on DVD. Uh, I actually did see it in the theaters um, and was blown away by it. Um, yeah. So, go see it. <laughs> All right. Well... What kind of upcoming superhero comic book movies are coming out? We, we just said Door is coming out this weekend. And surprisingly, did you check out Rotten Tomatoes on Door? I checked it this afternoon. After 56 reviews, it's 95% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? 
it's getting that good of reviews right now. So that really makes me more interested to see this film. You know, I have to say, when I saw the first preview for Thor, I was like, oh my god, this is going to suck. <laughs> I thought the first, the, the first cut, uh, you know, there's an art to making trailers. And the first trailer that I saw was not good. It did not present the movie well. It did not make it seem interesting. It did not make the, the guy, the actor who was playing Thor, seem likable at all. And I just, just was bad. But until more recently, a couple weeks ago, when I saw a different trailer, a different cut of the movie, and I said to myself, wow, that looks really good. It looks a lot better than I thought it was. And I started to come up with these like little high hopes. And so in the back of my mind, I've been thinking that this movie is actually going to be good. And now that you say that about the 95%, I have even higher hopes. You're going you're gonna to check it out this weekend? Most likely. I, Most likely? I would bet. This yeah. is also Natalie Portman's uh, 25th movie this year. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> this year? No. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. I was joking. But <laughs> it might be like her fourth or fifth yeah, yeah, that was released this year. I feel like she's released one every week so It far, seems like that, time. yeah. Um, also, th- coming out this year is uh, Captain America. And they're just, you know, trying to plan the Avengers film for next year. Now, that's a movie I'm not really interested in seeing, Captain America. I've heard a lot of good things about it, good buzz around it, but I don't know. I'm not... I I was never invested in that storyline of Captain America because it was something... That comic book was popular before we were... We knew what a comic book was, mm-hmm. so I and, and died out <laughs> quickly I kinda, after. Yeah, I kind of have the same feeling as I did when Iron Man was coming out with Captain America. It's like, all right, th- th- this this superhero has its fan base and everything, but I'm not. I'm a little skeptical to see how good this movie can be. But then Iron Man was pretty awesome, yeah. so I'm hoping Captain America is good as well. I have I have you know pretty good expectations. But for it's it. like a it's a period comic book. Yeah, I, mean, I have no idea what it's about. Honestly. It takes place, I think, in the. 40s or something like that. So it's kind of that could kind of be neat. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me, you know. It, Wait, what takes place in the 40s? Captain America storyline. But don't they like, all join forces in the Avengers? So are they all in the 40s? No, but that's how Captain America becomes because it's during World War II. Okay. Or, or um, that he he. I don't know how he gets created. I don't know anything about the Captain America storyline, <laughs> but I know it takes place during World War II. Um, that that period around World War Two, before and after. All right, and uh, also Green Lantern, Ryan Reynolds. That looks you horrible. do like Ryan Reynolds though. I like Ryan Reynolds. You're gonna see it because of him. And Ryan Reynolds, I actually think is a very good actor. Uh, underrated for his acting, overrated for his body. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> we'll let that one go. <laughs> um, but I'm not gonna see that movie. It looks horrible. It it really looks bad. And then, in addition to that, we have a couple prequels coming out: the uh, the X Men prequel, uh, First Class, and then the Amazing Spider Man. I think that's a that's a reboot or a prequel. I'm it's not a sure. reboot. Reboot. So but yeah. I mean, so technically, is the X Men? It's a reboot. Oh, is it? Okay. Because it's all new actors. It's no one. No one is the same in the movies. Right. So right. How could what's the Amazing Spider Man is going to be before? But how would that work? I think it's just a reboot. I don't know. They might just be telling the oh, story. Oh, a whole over different. Oh, that's right. They were okay. That's right. I remember they were trying. There, it's Andrew Garfield now. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I think it's gonna be. I think Emma Stone's in similar it, to the first Batman. You're gonna see his story of him being becoming. Well, Batman. obviously, we're not the people you should be talking to <laughs> with comic books and comic book films per se. But we do, we do watch well, them. Well, yeah, we're excited for them. We are excited for what they are and. 
we look forward to it. I'm going to try to see Thor this weekend. So hopefully Mike or I have we have a review for you next yeah. week. Did I might see it too. <laughs> no, but he might not be here <laughs> for the podcast. The, the two <laughs> movies that are going to be coming out relatively soon that I do recommend as far as comic book goes, I would say recommend go see Thor because I think that's going to be good. But also the X-Men movie. I think that that's going to be... Excuse me. That's going to be good as well. Well, they better redeem themselves for the last X-Men. Yeah. And I see Men in Black 3 on the list, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for that. Oh, yeah, you are excited, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that wraps up our main topic. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with some games. So we're back. We're going to play some movie games now. We haven't done this in a while, but we're going to do it right now. The movie review game. Now, this is where I'm going to be reciting some excerpts from movie reviews from critics. And our participants, Chris and Mike, they're going to try to guess the movie that this... We're going to guess it. We're not going to try. I have to admit, I made these a little bit more difficult than oh. usual because you guys were on your <laughs> game. Although Phil was the master last time. Yeah, he, was. he is not present. So you guys might struggle. I'm just going to put that out there. All right. So let's get forth. This one is a Peter Travers review. And these are... Oh, crap. I what year? year. <laughs> we don't even know what year. Okay. That's, That's going to make the game a lot harder. <laughs> I can tell you the year. Hold on. I'll tell you that if you need it. How about okay. That? Uh, the fact that this film is relatively free of gore has encouraged some critics to use it to attack what they call the torture porn of such directors as Hostos Eli Roth. For Roth is a gifted filmmaker with his own goals and methods to achieve them. Mikhail Hafstrom widely takes the path Stephen King intended to plumb the violence of the mind. Heebie-jeebies are guaranteed. Oh, uh, The Mist? The Mist is incorrect. Let me give you the year, though. It is kind of unfair if I don't give you the year. That would be... 2007. 2007. Which might have been the Mist year. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's the Mist was a very good guess because yes, it's Stephen, Stephen King, King. Um, hard, but um, and it didn't have a lot of gore, so I thought maybe it was. It was yeah, a very good guess. Kind of out of my out of my genre element. I don't. What are you trying to say? You don't watch horror movies? Yeah, not too much. I I saw actually saw an advanced screening of this film, but I haven't seen the actual final cut of this film yet, so I did not really like the advanced screening. Are they saying this is a torture movie? I don't understand this whole torture porn. <laughs> well, that's like the, the hostels and saw. It. I think what they're saying, right. what Peter Jarvis is saying, that this isn't a talk or torture porn uh, movie, uh, but yet it was still uh, a horror film because yeah, this was during the time of all the crazy, you know, hostels and all these films that just tortured their. Nope. Stumped. I don't. I, I hate to say, I'm stumped on the first one. Well, Mc- I don't know if you know the director, Mikhail Hamstrom. That's the director, uh, ha- Hamstrom. Yeah, I'm not familiar with him. Okay, uh, I'll give you some hint. 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 <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. John Cusack stars in this film. Identity? Oh no, the, the room one. Oh, 1408. Yes. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> did you? Movie. I didn't know. That was Stephen I really King. liked that movie. Oh yeah. I did know that was Stephen King, and I forgot about it. That's okay. Don't don't. 
Chin up. Chin up, Mike. Chin up. All right, look, give us another one. Hurry up. I was going to say the year. Tuesday's not really much of a clue. I think we got that one. That's a big clue. I should have said Samuel L. Jackson, right? He's in that? Wow. All right, next is... All right, what do we got here? Though the Im- oh, this is by Scott Tobias of the AV Club. Though the image of a city in ruins immediately recalls 9/11. In fact, fanning wonders aloud if it's terrorists at work. This movie has stronger echoes of Spielberg's Schindler's List due to the stark terror of innocents who are powerless to stop their extermination. The film positions itself as an anti-independence day. Since the enemy has no apparent weaknesses, no amount of can-do American bravado, bravado, <laughs> sorry, will get the job done. I can't give you this piece of paper, Mike, because I forgot to edit out the actual okay. title. I think it's the War of the Worlds. Oh, look at that! Look at <laughs> good job. As soon as you said Dakota Fanning, I only said Fanning. You, <laughs> oh well, that I was very good. That was very good. good. It could have been L Fanning. I don't know who that is. <laughs> the Fanning sister. She was in Pebble. (laughs) Next, by Kevin Crust, great name, of the LA Times. The basic concept of a mainstream movie rifling on the idea of resolutely straight guys entering into a gay marriage had had potentially... I love you, Chuck and Larry. (laughs) (laughs) Sheen is on his gay movie. (laughs) So that was way too quick. But that was way too work. like excited and to the point. Good work, Michael Sheehan. You get a you get a thumb, thumbs up for that one. All right, this one is by Peter Travers again. Kira Knightley, twenty years old, is possessed of the longest swan-like neck since Audrey Hepburn. But since her lively two thousand and two breakthrough in Bend It Like Beckham, she's been told to posture in Domino or just look pretty in Pirates of the Caribbean. As the strong-willed Elizabeth, Knightley is a lippy, tantalizing ball of fire. Just watch her reject an unsuitable suitor or take on Darcy's formidable Aunt Lady Catherine. Better yet, watch her frosty rejection of Darcy Thaw when he confesses his ardor for her in a misty moor. Romantic yearning hasn't looked this sexy on screen for years. That was a pride and prejudice. Good guess. I was going to say, this isn't your genre. <laughs> have you seen Pride and Prejudice? I have. Have you, Chris? And I wasn't sure I if Keira Knightley actually. was in it or not. Hmm? I couldn't I remember if Keira uh, Knightley was in that mm-hmm. or not. Yeah, she was the star of that film. But yeah, that was, uh, I think that was 2007, I want to say, that movie. I've only seen it once, and I kind of fell asleep during it, so didn't remember it too well. But I kind of threw... That was, that was going to be... That was one of the tougher ones. I was like, these guys aren't going to get Pride oh. and Prejudice. These masculine men. Well, well I'm seeing <laughs> guys Chuck and Larry on this I saw Fried and Veggies in the theaters. <laughs> and Sex in the City? Uh, no. Oh. Wait, Sex in the City. The Does it matter? <laughs> Does it matter which one we're talking about? Uh, yes, I saw the first one in the theaters. Went with my mom. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's just, that's just cute. Alright, this is the last one for the movie review game. And good luck, gentlemen, because I think if you get this, you had a really good record, right? You just missed the first one, no? Yeah. All right. This is by James Baradinelli of Real Views. The problem with this film is that it's really two movies in one. The first is a sly comedy thriller worthy of Hitchcock, and the other is a big, noisy summer action flick. The marriage of these two, like that of the title characters, is tempestuous, with each side in a constant struggle for dominance. When this film is smart and sassy, it's a lot of fun. 
but when it's loud and dumb, it's mindless and a little tedious. Wow, that's a very generic yeah. review. Yeah, might need the year on that one. The year is let me find it. Two thousand and five. Two thousand and five. And it's gonna be character names. I'm assuming. Very good. Since you are correct. That would be title characters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like uh. Wait, 2005? Is it Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Oh, Chris is on his game. <laughs> that was excellent. Wow, really? <laughs> I don't know how you got that. I was going to use that as an example of title characters. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, you guys did very well there. I'm going to have to just get... I have to up the game. Golf time. claps, golf claps. I didn't do that. That's okay. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to move on to our flick chart battle. So Michael is going to... Flick chart battle. So, uh, if you haven't listened to our podcast before, uh, www.flickchart.com, one word. It is uh, an awesome website that compares movies side by side from all different genres and years, and uh, you get to vote on which one is better. And then it uh, compiles the list, and uh, you get to see, you know, what your top ten uh, best films are, favorite films are. So, so good to here go. we go. Our first matchup is A Few Good Men versus Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And that's the second Harry Potter film. Yeah, and I think that's, that's my kind of least a weak favorite. That's one. a weak one. Well, uh, A Few one. Good Men is just an awesome movie. Oh, yeah, we're going to pick A Few Good Men. Superior. Well, when I first saw it come up, I thought it was the first one, and I like, kept thinking, okay, but it's, yeah. thinking, well, it's still it's that. Wait, you know what? If, <laughs> if you want the truth, you can't handle it. Okay? <laughs> oh, we have Ghostbusters versus War of the Worlds. Uh, War of the Worlds was a pretty. Movie. Yeah, it was craptacular, so. so we're going with Ghostbusters. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Next, we have Armageddon versus Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Well, Episode Three was the best of the newer ones. Right. Armageddon. I don't know. Some people hate it, but I kind I of really enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked it too. I mean, it had that you know, had its sappy moments. I really think it has the saddest scene in cinematic history. Mm. That was sad. Which scene? When Bruce Willis. And he's talking to the daughter, Liv Tyler, yeah. on screen. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Cried I've like never, a baby. I've never wanted animal crackers more in my life <laughs> after watching them <laughs> just dance around Liv Tyler's body. Well, that's interesting. That was awesome. I'm going to pick Star Wars Episode 3, though. What? Really? Yes. Okay. I'm not even sure I saw it. Armageddon is a little bit too... I mean, it's like two and a half hours long. Yeah. Like, just to get to the good parts. Yeah, but Steve Buscemi's in it, right? Yeah, they're likable characters. Yeah. Are you guys both going with Armageddon? Yeah, yeah. Isn't right. uh, also... Um, the big, uh, the big guy? Mike yeah, the big guy. Is Michael it? Clark Duncan? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's They're all good characters. No one has the big guy. <laughs> the Lost World, Jurassic Park versus Dogma. The Lost World is the third in the Jurassic Park series, correct? I thought it was I the, second the second one. one. I thought it was the second one. The Lost World is the second one? What's the third one called? Do you want me to look it up? Uh, well, 97? Yeah, I think we might have to look it up just to make sure. Okay. The Lost World's the second. I, I, I think, think you guys so. are... I, I, I kind of forget That's the title. The, um... Vince Vaughn. I think that's like the first movie I can think of <laughs> for Vince Vaughn. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, Lost World. It's just called Jurassic Park Three. Huh. Okay. So this that's the, the second, second one. one. Yeah. Right. So that one was better than the third one. Oh yeah. Yeah. The I second one was good. I remember liking the second. I remember seeing the second one in theaters and being freaked out by the dinosaurs ripping people in half and stuff yeah. like that. I I do remember enjoying it. I'm going with Dogma. But Dogma is. Yeah, I, I, I love Dogma. 
I love Dogma. I love Moulin Dogma. Rouge versus Clerks. Wow, that's an interesting matchup. I haven't seen Moulin Rouge, so I can't really say much about this. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with Clerks. It's I would imagine. I've never comedies. seen Moulin Rouge, but I would imagine I'd go with Clerks too. Whoa, <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite versus their Wolf. Oh my God, <laughs> this is the most lopsided. If I could make an argument, <laughs> <laughs> this is the most lopsided <laughs> matchup we've had yet. I believe. <laughs> Uh, I'm saying that on the record. Okay? <laughs> so we're going you with... You recorded. There will be blood. <laughs> oh, God. Godfather Part 2 versus Goodfellas. Oh, wow. Man, Ooh. this is tough. I think Godfather Part 2... Is the best one. Is the best one. I'd agree. I, uh, I, so I'm going to have to go with Godfather Part 2. Yeah. This was a Goodfellas. Tough one. Goodfellas is good. It's, it's really good, Goodfellas. <laughs> <laughs> you hit your pun limit for the, the pun. <laughs> yeah. Really have. Capacity and dreams. We're going with Godfather Part 2, right? Are we doing that? Uh, yeah. Okay, too bad. The Terminal. Yeah, can... What? What? Oh. Goodfellas again. Alright, we got Goodfellas versus The Terminal. Alright, well, I think Goodfellas here. Goodfellas is obviously the better movie, but Terminal is awesome. I would, I would, but this is personal picks, and I would definitely go with Terminal. Okay, or well, we're gonna pick Goodfellas. Cause I'm picking that too. Terminal is awesome. Shrek versus Team America: World Police. Ooh, you, I know you guys yeah, like Team America. Tough one. I, I, I think it was easy, and I'm gonna pick Shrek. <laughs> I think that was an easy choice. I, I'm going to pick Team America, World Police. It's a, just a funnier movie to me. It, I, as much as I love Team America, and I definitely would back it, I'm going to go Shrek, because that's, that's just... I, gotta, that was, I don't blame you guys at all. <laughs> <laughs> not one. I'm not glad one you don't blame us. Big Daddy versus Austin Powers in Goldmember. Uh, I would pick all, uh, nah, I would pick Big Daddy. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Big Daddy. That it, it was good, but not. I don't think as I don't like it as much as other people do. But that's the third Austin Powers. It just fell off. Right. Any of the Austin Powers are bad in my book. So Big Daddy, it is. I don't like Beyonce. Just going on record saying you that. don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay, The Matrix Revolutions, which is the third one, versus The Blair Witch Project. Well, I have a personal vendetta against the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> the third nature is so Yeah, I, I hated the third doesn't one. Doesn't matter. I fell asleep I, during the third one in theaters. <laughs> I fell asleep during the Blair Witch Project. I like the Blair Witch Project, so I'm going to pick that. I'm picking the Matrix. Chris? I, I, didn't, see, I didn't see Blair Witch Project, so you might want to do a coin flip on this one. Coin flip it is. Heads is Matrix, Tails is Blair Witch Project. I'm going to go with Tails, it's Blair Witch. Heads. But okay. <laughs> so Matrix <laughs> wins. <laughs> <laughs> you just confused me. <laughs> I like Tails better, so I wanted to win with Tails. Oh, okay. No contest. <laughs> Aladdin. <laughs> no, 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 we got to tell him. We got to tell him. I am Legend versus Aladdin. We are going to pick Aladdin. <laughs> Definitely. Next. Pan's Labyrinth versus The Nightmare Before Christmas. Now, now, a lot of people like The Nightmare Before Christmas. I do not. Oh, high five on that one. I don't <laughs> oh, like it either. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> I did not know that about you. And Pan's Labyrinth is just a brilliant awesome, It was, yeah. Awesome it's hard song. to go against that. I mean, I didn't mind The Nightmare Before Christmas, but <laughs> I would say I loved it. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> that was Pan's Labyrinth. We're going to go uh, next matchup. Return of the Jedi versus Collateral. You can't. I mean, I well, mean, Collateral was. I think I feel an underrated film, but yeah, you can't. Underrated, go really? I felt like it was rated enough. I don't think it was. <laughs> I really don't think it was. Return of the Jedi, yeah, obviously. Easily. All right, let's do two more. Oh, brother, where art thou? Versus Jaws. Uh, Jaws would eat that movie alive. I actually really enjoyed Our Brother Where I Do. I think Our Brother I, is a very underrated too, film. I would agree with that. I mean, it's not gonna. We're not gonna be able to pass. We're not gonna be able to pick that over Jaws. Right. But you gotta give it its props. Yeah, no, I give yeah, it many props. Yeah. I mean, we had Collateral versus Oh Brother. That would be a good match. <laughs> <in my book. laughs> Last one: Bruce Almighty versus Knocked Up. 
That's a good matchup. That That's is a very good matchup. Rusamati was a lot better than I expected the mm-hmm. first time I saw it. I really thought it was just going to be stupid Jim it was Carrey. Like, it was like the good, the first good Jim Carrey movie in a couple of years, right? Had comedy. I mean, yeah, for what for in his wheelhouse, so to speak. a good balance, I feel, of just like the comedy and then like the, uh, the kind of sentimental storyline. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I like Knocked Up a lot, so I'm going with Knocked Up. I think it's one of Judd Apatow's strongest films. I think, uh... Yeah, I mean, I, 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 when it started to get into the whole arguing love thing towards the end, I, st- I always lose interest. It's a little bit too long, But yes. Yeah, but that beginning, and, and it's, you know, it's one of those classic, like you said, Judd Apatow. Mike? Films. I, I don't know. I mean, it's a hard decision. Like, I feel like... Stop I gotta stalling. go. I gotta Pick go. Up. Bruce Almighty. <laughs> okay. Well, we sorry. Two to one. No, you don't have to apologize. We still got well, knocked up. I apologize. Up, <laughs> <laughs> still got knocked up. <laughs> so that is our podcast episode. Thank you for listening. If you made it through this whole entire episode, it was kind of a lengthy and, one. Yeah, but we know you did because you're awesome. You are awesome. And if you're one of our fans on Facebook, thank you. Thank you. Thank yes. you for reaching the. Yeah, 25. The, the 25 like I actually wasn't sure. I thought that was a myth, and I was just telling you. I wasn't positive. I'm like, I think we need 25 in my head. I'm like, I'm just going to tell Sheehan that. <laughs> well, that's pretty funny. But now you guys can go to www.facebook.com backslash on the movie front. One word. <laughs> dot com. You got that? <laughs> I the dot com. No, you said the dot uh, com. Yeah, I did say the dot com. <laughs> There's no dot com at the end. <laughs> Yeah, we did not make history with two dot coms <laughs> or URL, although that would be awesome. Also, our email address is on the movie front at hotmail.com and visit our blog. It's otmf-podcast.blogspot.com. I hope you got all that. <laughs> Send us a message and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Adios. And girls. <laughs>